This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Una Tangata O Manawatu. It is Monday morning and it is the final Monday of, uh, final week of catch ups. Uh, we are, the station's going on a, a hiatus for three weeks. You'll still be able to hear content in the station. You probably won't notice uh, much difference, dear listener, uh, but we'll all be taking a, I'd like to say, well earned break, but that's up for you to judge. Uh, anyway, back to the catch up this morning. This is the C spot every fortnight we speak to someone from CEDA or someone that CEDA thinks we should speak to and um, we've had a number of, of interesting people uh, through the door in the past couple of months but today it is someone from CEDA and we have Sarah Towers talent and skills manager for the Central Economic Development Agency good morning to you Morena how are you going not too bad at all and it's a welcome back to you because you have been here before uh, a while ago though yeah, absolutely yes mm. yeah. I th- was that about the expo that it was yeah. Yeah, it was the food and fibre um, edition of Sorted, yes. I'm just proving that I was paying attention. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about the infrastructure and construction talent and skills attraction campaign. I've butchered the name of it, but you can talk to us a bit more about this. Uh, it seems very timely, uh, given the current climate, to be to be doing stuff like this. Yeah, it's very timely. So obviously with the infrastructure and construction sector, um, with the growth Projectory of it um, over the sort of coming, you know, five to ten years, um, we're going to need a lot more people on the ground to to do the work, and that's everything from you know entry level roles right through to um, senior managers, project managers, engineers, mm-hmm. um, and the like. So, yeah, we launched it uh, two weeks ago, and the concept is is that it's attracting new entrants to it. So whether it's school leavers mm-hmm. or people that are looking at a career change, or they might be job seekers, but we're also, and we're not apologising for this, we're also so um, the campaigners will be up in Auckland, Tauranga, Wellington and Christchurch, but trying to attract them to relocate to our beautiful region, the mm. Manawatu. Well, I mean, there's a lot going on. We've got the new gorge route that's going to be uh, that big scar on the hillside that everyone kind of approves of, which is weird. Uh, that's going to be there for a while. The Kiwi Rail Freight Hub, we've been talking about that on the catch-up quite a bit as well. That's going to be a big project. Uh, there's, there's heaps going on. There's going to be some work done on the, the main highway around Levin as well. Yep. And then the housing crisis. Absolutely, and you know, with all of the kind of resource consents that have been given, both for kind of commercial and residential builds, we know you know we're going to need builders. But it's not just the builders. You know, behind them, you've got the plumbers, the electricians, the gas fitters, the drain layers. Yes, yeah, so it's a, you know it's an exciting time for the region, but one that's you know is proving challenging as far as talent skills go, and it's challenging because there's shortages right around New Zealand, um, and obviously with the borders open, we need to look uh, closed. I should say, yeah, we need to look at ways that we can, um, I guess, move people, attract people, um, you know, and tell them about the lifestyle proposition that we've got off, on offer here in the region. Yeah. Um, the, I was going to ask about uh, immigration and, and migrants. Has this been an area that migrants have, have typically filled a substantial part of this sector's workforce? They've certainly filled parts of it, yes. You know, um, often, you know, it might have been sort of in the more the trades, um, mm. but also as engineers and project managers. Um, so obviously the benefit of that is they bring their overseas experience here to New Zealand.
Zealand and the projects that they are working on. But currently, we just don't have access to them like we used to. So, you know, we do need to look at how we can, um, you know, encourage school leavers to consider trades as a, you know, great career opportunity. Um, you know, and yes, some of the jobs are hard, they're dirty, um, you know, they're in doing it in all weathers. But some of those jobs actually have fantastic career opportunities mm-hmm. for um, for people, yeah. Um, I have uh, pleasingly, in my mind, noticed, uh, particularly on the road crews when I'm out driving, more and more women involved in that particular sector that I can see firsthand. Uh, is there a drive to attract more women to these these roles as well? Yeah, most definitely. So um, the infrastructure and construction sector got together um, and had a workshop a few weeks ago. And what we identified as like women are one of the um, kind of primary areas that we're not you know, currently targeting, attracting. So we're looking at how we can go about about that. Um, I guess you know, it's it's how they can balance that with you know, if they're a mum, how they can balance sort of early starts or late finishes. You know, with childcare, all of those sorts of things. But employers are open to looking at what flexible working might look like for them. So enabling them perhaps to do the school drop off or pick up and work the hours. You know, around that. I mean, it is a, a sector. I come from a, a truck driving background, which is is typically sort of. Uh, gender stereotype. Um, But obviously women getting more into the truck driving side uh, as well, I see, which is awesome. But I mean, this is, we're still sort of 20, 30 years behind the mark now because we have uh, issues with LGBT plus communities, gender fluidity, uh, there aren't just two genders anymore. A lot of these issues will... Impede some people's desire to get involved in these sectors, knowing perhaps that there are stereotypes and yeah. and, and attitudes yeah. within yeah. the sector. Yeah. How do we address that? Yeah, well, I think it, you know um, at these workshops at industry, right? They kind of identified some of these things themselves. That you know there are some workplaces that do need to sort of look at behaviours on the work site. Um, you know, and whether that's anything from kind of swearing or mm-hmm. um, simple things like not not um, having a, a female toilet. You know, uh, or a gender neutral yeah, yeah. toilet. So workplaces do have to sort of look at these things, and I guess you know over time they will change. It's just yeah, it's a slow, it's a slow change sometimes. So the the, the marketing campaign itself, you're 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 trying to attract talent to the infrastructure and construction sector. Yep. What is the messaging at the moment? Is it really just for the school leavers, or is there a particular theme to this? No, it's uh, it's basically we're looking at anybody. So you know through imagery. We've used, you know, young people that you might sort of say is the school leaver, but we've also used mature people, both male and female, to kind of say, look, hey, there are heaps of job opportunities on offer. There's great career pathways for you. Um, you know that the um, the longevity of the work in the region will keep mm-hmm. going, whereas some other regions that have got a lot of infrastructure and construction projects going on, some of them are going to come to conclusion over say the next three to five years, mm-hmm. whereas we're kind of saying for the next ten years at least. Um, you know, the project growth is, is huge. Am I right in saying the Alliance Group that are doing the new Gorge route, mm-hmm. they were very focused on attracting uh, local talent to those roles, but also guaranteeing as much as you can that when that project is completed they will be moved on to other roles. Correct, yes. Yeah. So part of the guys, the social procurement that um, contract companies go through with central government, um, they have uh, areas where they've got to, yeah, there's a certain percentage that has to be local, a certain percentage that has to be Māori and Pacifica, um, and 
and yeah, and then there's that kind of concept of okay, well, once this road has finished, mm-hmm. what's next for people? Yeah, and because of the companies that are involved in in the kind of the alliance group, um, they can see that you know there will be longevity in, in what their um, you know what they can do for the workforce beyond the Gorge Road. Um, obviously, you're trying to attract people to this sector, but is the sector itself coming to the party with this by offering things like apprenticeships and on-the-job training? Is, is uh, I guess, UCOL would be the obvious uh, place to look at for the, the, the trade skills. Are they on board as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we've actually got um, co-funding partners as part of the campaign, um, which has enabled us to do more than we could have done as CEDA on its own. So we've got E-House, Turfree, Hawkins, UCOL, Downer, Higgins and Resonant. So all the big um, yeah, all the big, all the big <laughs> names. Yeah, and you know what what we're doing is that kind of on the um, landing page for this campaign. Um, from there, um, people can peel off and go and have a look at the kind of Higgins website and the job opportunities that are available. Mm. But over the overall campaign is also linking through to jobs on Seek. So you know directly your infrastructure and construction manager too. So you're there right away and you can see what other companies have got jobs available. So when you're looking, I mean, uh, people that want to. Uh, Pivot. There we go. I yep. said it. I'll put money yep. in the swear jar later. Yep. Um, if people do want to pivot in their career or they want – people that are looking at entry-level jobs, mm-hmm. are they going to be able to live on the, the, the salaries that these entry-level jobs offer or are people going to have yep. to think cleverly about this? Um, no, I think you'll actually be quite surprised that many of the um, infrastructure and construction companies have actually moved to the living wage as kind of your entry-level um, salary start. So um, – you know, I, th- I think it's doable. And obviously with the, you know, earn while you learn concept, you know, so with, when you're doing your apprenticeship or some level of training on the job, mm. you're earning income, learning at the same time. You're not getting the same level of debt that you would do if you were studying, you know, full time. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I think it's, it becomes a more affordable proposition for people that are looking at changing their careers that might have family, you know, um, they might have a mortgage, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, that these these businesses in the sector itself uh, are sort of workshopping um, all the time, really, mm. about various issues. Yeah. But there's been some workshops that have come out of this campaign yeah, specifically. Yeah. So when we um, presented the kind of concept of this campaign to the sector, what kind of came out is the fact that this wasn't going to fix the problem on its own. And, you know, it's all good one business doing some really proactive stuff. But again, it's sometimes it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. So what we've come together is a collective action group, um, which CEDA's leading, you know, on behalf of the, um, you know, the region's um, sectors. And what we've come up with is we sort of identified challenges, um, opportunities, and we've come up with a range of solutions that we will collectively start putting in place. Some of those need to be led by businesses themselves. So kind of saying, actually, well, those of you that aren't offering the living wage, maybe you need to consider doing that. Um, yep. Because A, to attract people from out of region, but then also you're actually you, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage locally. You mm-hmm. know, if someone's got a choice of uh, minimum wage versus living wage, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That's pretty, yeah. It's a pretty easy decision for, <laughs> yeah. a, for a, a potential yeah. employee to make. Absolutely. And, you know, what we're looking at is how we can make better connections through to the secondary schools for the, you know, for the employers and vice vice versa. So looking at how that, you know, that will work. Um, and then we're also looking at around um, with things like Gateway and Trades Academy that are run kind of like through UCOL and mm. the secondary schools, looking at how that can be... Uh, 
um, improve, looking at how perhaps it can attract more people to it. And um, again, led led by you, Cole, but but in, um, bringing on board the, the sector employers themselves to kind of say, well, what does it need to look like for them? Is it tough for businesses now to attract new talent in terms of having apprentices and, and young people on site? Because health and safety, you know, it, yes, it's necessary mm. and we understand that mm. and I'm not criticising it but, and I'm not, a, a, you know... No, cutting corners is a bad idea, but it, it back in the day, apprentices swept the floors, and you know yeah. the, the health and safety concerns were not as uh, tough to overcome. Correct, yes. So, I mean, obviously, um, both from a school point of view, when they're releasing students out onto things like work experience, and also the employer. So, it's understanding kind of roles, responsibilities, and looking at how we can better prepare the students to be that more work ready with a health and safety lens on before they even go to the workplace and hear what their specific um, site mm. needs are. Mm. Yeah. Um, we were actually speaking uh, to Andy Martin uh, up at Massey last week and he was uh, talking about experiential learning, the, sort of the yeah. idea of working on the job but yeah. reflecting on on yourself as a person and your interaction with the workplace environment yeah. as well. It, I thought it was just a new way of saying apprentice but actually it's a more, it seems to be a more holistic way of doing that. Yeah, I think... Um, Learning is, is, has changed. Um, yeah, it is more holistic. It's about the whole person. Uh, it's not just about the the hard skills that you might learn, but it's also those kind of soft skills. And those soft skills are the ones that take, you know, go through with your life um, and are then transferable. So even if you have had, um, you know, work experience or, you know, an experience on the job and you decide actually, you know, um, construction's really not for me but what I've discovered about myself is mm. I really like working as part of a team so where would I get that sort of work environment so it's it's weird it's uh, the stereotype persists in my brain your typical sparky or chippy just uh, not you don't imagine them having this approach to bringing in apprentices and bringing in skills yeah. and talent anymore yeah. and I think some of that might depend on the um age of the employer potentially um, you know so obviously we've got a lot of younger employers now mm-hmm. people that have you know they've done their time um, they've got their experience and they've, they've set up their own businesses so I think that they will have a different approach it's not to say that all mature employers are you know aren't capable of doing it but sometimes it's looking at how we can better support those employers like obviously a lot of young people have higher pastoral care needs than they did kind of 20 or 30 years ago and for a lot of those employers you know they might have been in the old adage, well, you know, here's a, you know, teaspoon of cement type thing. Um, looking at looking at how employers can be supported in the workplace to sort of wrap around that, that wider pastoral mm. care that um, young people, and, and nowadays not just young people, need. Now, there, there'll be a difference, I assume. This is about uh, growing the sector to match the needs of the city and, and the region, mm-hmm. I would assume, mm-hmm. as opposed to what this city or region should be known for, because this city and region is known for, well, this city is known for tertiary education, mm-hmm. local and central government, yeah. um, and and agriculture as well yeah. in the wider region. Yeah. This campaign is not trying to change that perception. We don't no. want to be the infrastructure and construction no. capital of, of yeah. New Zealand. No, not at all. But without that infrastructure and construction, we don't have all of those other things. If we don't have the roads right, if we don't have the um, the factories right, if we don't have the residential housing to house the people that are working in the education or the health sector. So we're not suddenly saying, you know, we've got this and we're flipping it on its head. It's just it's a whole part of the whole ecosystem of the local economy. Mm. We are here with Sarah Towers. 
Pierce, uh, Talent and Skills Manager for the Central Economic Development Agency, looking at infrastructure and construction in our region. Uh, if you'd like to listen to this episode of The Catch-Up or previous editions, uh, you can do that by heading to the website, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um, just uh, before that uh, little diversion, talking about um, the infrastructure and construction sector and its place within the the, the city, the district, the region, the, the sector profile itself, is, is this a sector that has not managed to keep pace in terms of growth with the growth of, of the region? Is that the problem? That is, that's why we're doing the campaign? Yeah, I think uh, it, 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 that is very true, but it's also not just true for the Manawatu. It's, kind of, it's a nationwide challenge. Obviously, as we're being encouraged as a country to build our productivity, with productivity, we, you know, we need um, people. We need the right people at the right place at the right time doing the kind of right type of work. Um, and I guess, yeah, with infrastructure and construction, because we need that, um, you know, if you sort of think along the lines of the Kiwi Rail Hub, you know, we know that we kind of need that to the development of the central distribution hub here in, mm-hmm. in the Manawatu, because that will help with productivity, not only for kind of the Manawatu, it will help with productivity to the to the wider region and that connectivity through to Wellington, Auckland, or, you know, to some of the other ports. Mm. Yeah. The, uh, the, this is, the, there are some issues here that I see reflected in other sectors as well. The IT sector yeah. uh, was heavily uh, reliant on migrants and mm. that's that's uh, resulted in a shortage of people. And uh, the IT uh, businesses that I connect with in Palmerston North mm. are saying they are taking people from tertiary straight out of college, straight out of university, training them up and then the phone rings from businesses down in Wellington offering jobs with bigger money, yeah. uh, arguably uh, a more hip and trendy lifestyle for younger people. Uh, uh, and the talent just disappears and you have this rolling door. Is poaching an issue in Manawatu as well? Uh, it, it is, yeah. I think you see that kind of across um, sectors. So it's not just about people um, being, you know, attracted to other regions, mm. um, but it is also around, you know, from one job to the next. You know, sometimes it might be a shiny brand new ute versus the older ute that you've been driving for one employer. Um, some of it is around salary. Some of it might be around that kind of notion of, you know, employers looking at you only work four and a half days as opposed to five or six. So, mm. I think, you know, all employers need to sort of look at what their value proposition is as far as a workplace goes. You know, why would you somebody want to come and work for you? Um, you know, so think about the types of work that you've got coming up. Think about the sort of work environment you have. You know, do you provide gym memberships? Do you, you know, do you give them their birthday off? The, mm-hmm. all, any, all, any of these things can add to sort of like that overall um proposition that you've got to attract people. Keep your voice down, there's staff listening yeah, next yeah. door. <laughs> um, so, what, so there is a, a sector profile, I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at the sector you sort of, uh, from overhead and, and get the lay of the land. Yep. You've discussed some of the challenges, but what else is going on in the sector at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, I guess with, you know, aside from the kind of um, the talent and skills thing, if you kind of think of the challenges, what it's doing is it's providing a whole heap of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, whether that's from the point of view of, you know, um, you know, as a, as a worker, but obviously, you know, there's potential of starting up your own business um, because some of the existing businesses can't keep up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, to start your own business up, um, you, initially you might be able to cope you with you as a one-man band, but then eventually you've got to kind of consider, well, if I need to bring on people, you know, what does that look like? Is it apprentices? Is it 
skilled staff. Um, so I think you know there's certainly um, opportunities for um, you know businesses to start up or and to grow as well. But at the moment, I think the biggest challenge is that talent skill shortage. What's the what's the preference? I guess from the sector's point of view, but maybe it's different from Cedar's point of view. Is it to have more businesses start, or is it to support the existing ones to grow within themselves? What's better for the overall uh, economic position? Yeah, of I guess um, I guess it, you know if businesses can grow, you're still providing more you know work opportunities for more people. Productivity increases for that business, whether it's products or services that it's providing. Um, but a lot of it is that um, currently, you know, some businesses can't see how to keep up with that growth with the workforce that they they might need, and whether that's you know entry level staff or you know more experienced staff. I think that's one of the sort of biggest challenges. And then also to grow, sometimes you've got to be able to invest as well. You know, so it might be more capital expenditure that you've got to undertake. So it's looking at. Um, how that can be gone about, and that's where Cedar can, um, you know, help businesses in that space. Um, obviously, you're looking at that sector from a providing infrastructure point of view and, and, and building buildings and roads. But is there does Cedar look at what infrastructure might be required in the region to further our economic progress? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, thinking along the lines of things, you know, what does energy look like going forward? Um, what does water look like going forward? Those are sort of some of the key things at the moment, and. Then also thinking around things around you know um, you know the uh, environment you know what what's happening in, in that space you mm. know so when it comes to the point of view of landfills um, recycling all of, all of these types of things yeah mm. was did I hear there was something about hydrogen being yeah. discussed locally because yes. I mean yep. that's another just yep. it, it, it puts this region on the map in terms of, you know, our accessibility to other major centres, the ease of travel, uh, relative uh, cost of living benefits to against other places, although not so much now. Yep. But having hydrogen here as well. Yeah, would be... absolutely. Yeah. So that's um, that's uh, being done for, my understanding is for um, trucks initially, mm-hmm. as a fleet of trucks that will be, um, you know, transporting goods around the country. So they're setting up these hydrogen stations for the, you know, for them to refuel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's um, happening here in the region. So, you know, it certainly demonstrates, I guess, the uh, level of confidence that we we are a central distribution hub, you know, yeah. um, going forward. Uh, Twenty. I remember about this time last year, 2020, and going, oh, what a terrible year. 2021 is going to be so much better. We'll get back on track. It won't be normal. We know it won't be normal. <laughs> No one expected it to be as utterly miserable as it turned out. I mean, your heart has to bleed for the people of Auckland. That has just been a nightmare. 2022, is there any... Because the other thing between, you know, the first set of lockdowns uh, and this year was business confidence during 2020 seemed to remain all right. People took the opportunity to look at their businesses, plan, you know, take the time out to develop some areas of the business without being at the coalface all day. They had maybe had a bit of savings, so it was okay. 2021 has been a nightmare for those people because the savings have run out. There's no time. And now what's 2022 going to be like? Is yeah. there optimism? Absolutely, yeah, there is. Um, I guess, once again, fortunately, the region has weathered it well in comparison to others. And obviously, we didn't have to endure such a long lockdown mm. as Auckland and then even parts of the Waikato um, had to. I mean, there's obviously still this um, optimism that, you know, we will 
one day get back to normal. I just think now people are saying next year. You mm. know, I think we're a bit, being a bit more open that it's probably going to be at least another kind of 12 to 18 months before the level of normalcy where you're not scanning and wearing masks, mm. all of that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, businesses are growing. They're employing more people. We've got one of the lowest unemployment rates we've ever had, what and even the, in the country. Yeah, what is the un- unemployment? It's like something it's ridiculous. Two, it's like something 2%, like 2%, 2%? Yeah, 2.4 maybe it was. And, yeah, and that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't account for people that choose to be unemployed, like, like yeah. stay-at-home parents yeah. and things. So, I mean, the unemployment rate yeah. is on the floor. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, the mind boggles. I don't understand. This is this is why you work for a central <laughs> economic development agency, and I don't because I can't understand that during a pandemic, everyone mm. pretty much has a job, yep. and the house prices are skyrocketing. Yeah, it just seems it's, counterintuitive. Yeah, it does. You know, one would have said, you know, theoretically we should be in some level of recession. Yeah. Um, you know that you know we would be um, calling it some sort of you know financial crisis happening. Um, but I think you know because of the industries that we have got, many of them were able to operate fully um, yeah. throughout the, any of those lockdowns. Well, that's the thing. The infrastructure yeah. and construction industry uh, during, I think it was level three, the placemaking in the square mm. got back up and running um, pretty quickly. Yeah. Agriculture had to keep going regardless. Exactly. Uh, and and whilst the the international students were an issue, tertiary education pivoted again, sorry, yeah. um, to, to online learning and things. So there, there was a resilience there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I'm, I think, you know, if you look at the kind of education, massive Massey's always been um, very good at sort of their distance learning. You know, mm-hmm. they're the biggest university offering that in New Zealand. Um, but, I mean, it enabled them to kind of even rethink about how they're delivering um, learning. And, of course, you know, the likes of UCOL and secondary schools and primary schools all had to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped it in as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, you know, what it's done is, is that it's, it's made everyone kind of look at education differently. Um, I guess, you know, some of the biggest challenges is around connectivity in the, some parts of the region for mm. um, for people, yeah. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Sarah Towers here, Talent and Skills Manager for CEDA, talking about uh, the specific campaign for infrastructure and construction sector uh, to get some talent and skills in there. Uh, when we move into 2022, Sarah, and you've found all of the people to fill all the positions in the infrastructure and construction sector, what's the plan for 2022? What's the next sector that needs some um, assistance? So the next sector we're looking at is, is going to be the food and fibre sector, okay. um, but we're also going to be doing some smaller pieces of work with the health sector and with the technology sector because we know that um, big employers, skill shortages, um, you know, so looking at how we can best support them as well. Um, and with the food and fibre one, you know, it'll be everything from kind of that nation of entry level through to, um, you know, what what highly skilled people do we need? So moving into how does that look like for um, ag food and ag tech, you know, which is, um, you know, some areas that we do exceptionally well here in the region. Uh, if people want more information on this campaign, for talent and skills yeah. in the sector, cedar.nz uh, would be the first point of call. Uh, or no, Manor Two NZ. Manor Two NZ. Yep, yep. So, um, and there you'll see our fantastic new branding. Um, and yeah, and the, the campaigns there, um, but it also gives people information around you know what's available as far as kind of like what life's like to live and work and study here as well. Mm. Marvellous. Uh, Sarah, thank you very much for joining. It's always enlightening when you come into the studio. Um, yeah, awesome to, to have you here on the last week of the catch-ups. Have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And same to you. Uh, that's it for the catch-up this morning, but we will be back tomorrow at half past eight with another edition. Make sure you join us then, and then it'll be next week, three weeks off, back on the 10th of January, hopefully. Uh, make sure you join Join us tomorrow at half eight, though. Bye-bye.
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.